Podcast Answer Man, episode number 365. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. This is Dan Andrews from the Lifestyle Business Podcast. You're listening to the hardest working man on iTunes. It's Cliff Ravenscraft, and he is the Podcast Answer Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to taking your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right. It does not matter if you're brand new to this online content creating world we live in or if you have been doing this stuff for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. That's right, my friends, and I am all about taking things to the next level, and today I'm going to share with you how I am once again, even further, taking my video live streaming to the next level and video in general to the next level, and I am going to explain to you some of the things that I have done as a result of having some technical difficulties in last week's video recording of Podcast Answer Man, or at least the video recording of the live stream. I'm going to give you my thoughts on video in general. What do I think about live streaming your podcast? What do I think about video overall as content for folks to consume? I may even I may even give my thoughts on Michael Hyatt's most recent uh, production of his new version of his podcast. I, I, I struggle to do that because I wonder if I can be completely 100% objective knowing that Michael is a very close personal friend of mine and also knowing that uh, I'm speaking in this conference in November and and all of those things but I will I will share my thoughts on on that and possibly my prediction of what I think could be a potential issue moving forward uh, anyway we'll see we'll see we'll see if I how free I feel and uh, the more free I feel I might actually uh, be concerned with publishing this episode but we'll see uh, but yeah, I'm going to talk about live video streaming. I'm going to talk about video podcasts. I'm going to talk about video content in general. Also in this episode, Stephanie has a question about how do I grow my mailing list with my podcast? She is extremely frustrated with how slow it's going. And um, we'll get into that. Talk about my top three ways for growing your mailing list. Ryan Gray called in and says that uh, he's been tinkering around with the idea of maybe changing up his episode titles for his podcast to see kind of how that might affect how well his podcast gets received in iTunes as far as searching people searching for specific topics. We'll talk a little bit about that because I've I've already kind of talked about this stuff recently quite a bit. But anyway, I still cover it. Ryan uh, also has a question. Ryan Parker, uh, what gear would I personally take to a conference with me? I will give you my answer to that. And then Michael Bone has called in and he says, listen, I need a portable mobile equipment set up on a low budget. He's he's recorded his first 100 episodes of his podcast on a BlackBerry. Before I get started with the first topic, though, I do want to let you know that my thoughts on live streaming and video in general does not start until about 34 minutes into this episode. And also... 
the actual questions, Stephanie's, the Ryan Gray, Ryan Parker, and Michael Bones, all their questions all start at 59 minutes and 51 seconds into the episode. Let's go ahead and start talking about my live streaming, though. The video that I'm putting out on Ustream where I'm broadcasting live, I've been recording those and publishing them to my YouTube channel. And as a result of that, um, you know, it, I've been seeing a little bit of, you know, an uptick in people who actually enjoy consuming that video content of just the over the shoulder shot of me in the studio doing my thing. And two weeks ago, I did pretty, it, it was pretty well. It went pretty well. I, I, the most I could do was 480p. I couldn't broadcast in in uh, high def because Ustream did not allow me to do that. I mentioned last week at the end of the episode that I had, you know, upgraded to the latest version and I had at the same time tried to do 720p, forgetting that I could have done 480p, um, you know, not quite high def video for free. And I went ahead and paid the $199 to upgrade the software. And, uh, you know, it, it, I just needed to get it online and I thought that that's why it it wouldn't allow me to do anything without a watermark. I, 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 in a way, I'm glad I made that mistake. I'm glad because I've spent the $199 now and now I am actually broadcasting at 720p. But I was trying to broadcast at 720p last week and I did. But if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash 364... Go to podcastanswerman.com slash 364. That's the show notes for last week's episode. If you scroll down into the show notes, you will see the embedded YouTube video of last week's episode. And um, you might recall that during the episode last week, I was looking at the chat room and people were talking about how choppy the video was. It was and it was. It was stuttering. And what I learned after the fact was that... Um, the video was choppy because my iMac that I was using, my 27-inch iMac, which is a Core 2 Duo, it actually was running at 100% of the CPU, just trying to keep up with you know the processing, the rendering, uh, the encoding of that 720p HD video stream. Now, I thought maybe it was just bandwidth issues or something like that, which made no sense at all because I shouldn't have any bandwidth issues. I got massive pipes going up. I have a maximum of 10 megabits per second upload, and I don't even touch that. I mean, right now, I'm, I am broadcasting 720p, and I am currently using uh, 2,680 bits per second. So, I, you know, it, I'm, I'm doing... You know, I'm less than three megabits per second upload. So I, I know that it wasn't a bandwidth issue, but it turned out that it was the CPU. Now, not only was the live stream choppy, but also I found that the um, the the recording of the video was choppy. So it was the whole, anything that Ustream producer last week was doing was choppy. So even the video recording that I got and I then uploaded to YouTube, it was choppy as well. I went ahead, because it was choppy, instead of uploading the video, I actually brought it into ScreenFlow and overlaid a message on top that says, let me explain to you what's going on with this choppy video. So that it, people didn't come to my YouTube channel and assume that I put out crap content. You know, I'm, I just like, listen, I know that that this doesn't look the best and here's why it should be fixed by next week. Well, 
I, I went to work over the last seven days and trying to figure out what was causing that to happen. Turns out that um, the Ustream producer software has some guidelines and it talks about, you know, what it require, what the requirements are. And they said you could probably get by with a Core 2 Duo system, uh, but they recommend that you have a, you know, a, an, in an iMac language. We're in the Mac world over here in the, in the next level studios. And uh, anyway, it's it, they recommend that you have an i5 processor if you're going to do uh, 720p video with Ustream Producer, or if you're going to try to do 1080 uh, video, then you want to have a core i or an i7 uh, quad core system. And it, the thing is, is my old 27 inch iMac it just couldn't handle 720p video without being choppy. Uh, even if that Ustream producer was the only software operating, it just wasn't going to happen. So what did I do? I immediately thought, okay, maybe I'll go out and get a a new Mac Mini. Well, I decided to opt out for that because I know that the Mac Mini's been out, the one that's out there now has been out there for the longest time. I want to wait until they come out with a brand new Mac Mini, and I probably will buy a brand new Mac Mini just for my live streams on Thursday, uh, devoted only to the purpose of, of making my live streams a reality. So I went in and my new 27 inch iMac that I'm using right now, I'm looking at as a 3.4 gigahertz Intel Core i7 computer. So my current computer could do this sufficiently, but I already use my main computer for so many things. I'm already using it for audio clips. I'm using it for uh, monitoring the chat room, monitoring the live stream. I'm using it to sometimes look things up on the web while I'm recording. I'm using it for my show notes. I'm using it for all kinds of other things. And to be honest with you, I just did not want to use this computer for my live stream. So I have a MacBook Pro. Now, it just so happens that my MacBook Pro 15-inch, by the way, it's a non-retina. It's one of the big heavy ones. But uh, it is relatively new, though. It's only about a year, maybe just over a year old, maybe not even quite a year old. But it's a MacBook Pro 15-inch, and it is a Core i7. So I'm like, hey, maybe I can try that. And what happened was I just plugged in my Logitech uh, USB camera, and I'm like, okay, let's see if I can get this to work. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you some of the troubles that I had trying to get all of this stuff up and running. So what happened was, first and foremost, because it's a MacBook Pro, it has a what they call a combination jack. A combination jack, it, matter of fact, if you look, the one inch port for the audio on your MacBook, more than likely, you pro, if you have a MacBook, you only have one port and it actually mine actually has a headphones um, logo on it which is to indicate that this is really where your headphones go but it but it does actually do more than just headphones if you were to plug, take the iPhone ear earbuds that you have or ear pods that you have that has the three you know the multiple rings tip ring ring sleeve on it if you were to take the it's got the microphone in line how's that if you were to take your earbuds from your iPhone and plug it into your computer, you would actually see that it actually allows you to bring audio out, two, two channels of uh, audio out to, for your headphones, and it also would bring in the microphone from your microphone that's in your earbuds. 
So it does have it's it's a, it is a combination jack, even though it does it's not labeled that on the outside of the computer. So anyway, I I'm like you know what I have all kinds of adapters. I have the you know four pin adapters to the you know the ones that are specifically made to break that out into the microphone and headphones. And I thought maybe I can bring that for my the audio from my computer setup, my studio setup for my mixer that's going into headphone amps into my computer, no problem at all. But for whatever reason, it was just not recognizing it. And I didn't want to play around with it forever. So I'm like, okay, I, I've seen this problem a million times. Every time I have a student that has this issue, um, I just tell them to get a Griffin iMic. Well, I happen to have an extra one sitting here in my studio. So I popped one out, put it in my computer's USB drive. And I was having the hard, hardest time imaginable trying to get my USB um, camera to pull up inside a Ustream and tell it at the same time to use the Griffin. I, actually, the Griffin iMic wouldn't even pull up. It didn't even show it as an option. And then my friend Daniel Lewis, some of you know him uh, and pr- probably listen to his podcast over at the Audacity to Podcast. He's a good friend of mine and he lives down the road and he stopped by to visit the Next Level Studio here uh, the other day. And um, we were talking and he says, oh yeah, I had that problem. He said, you can actually go into the audio MIDI uh, setup app inside of the utilities folder and you can actually add an, what's called an aggregate audio device. And then if you just choose the input from the iMic, it should work no problem at all. And he was right. So I went in and I finally was able to get the iMic to show up. And I could pull audio from the iMic separately, but I couldn't get it to actually pull up inside of my thing. Well, this was actually my fault for not understanding how the setup works inside of Ustream Producer. This software, it basically, you you choose a video source, and if the audio and the video are the same, uh, you can mix and match things. It, it, it's too complicated for me to go in in audio uh, and to be honest with you, I know some of you are like, man, I really wish you would do a video tutorial on that. It's so new to me that I wouldn't want to create a video tutorial until I really had this perfectly easy to, you know, step-by-step solution that would work for everyone. And to be honest with you, it's, it's overly complicated for what it needs to be, but I finally figured it out. And what happens is I actually have to put the audio track on a an upper layer, like layer one or two, and then I put the video track on, actually I guess I could put the layer on any track, but anyway, it has to be on a different, le- it has to be at a different layer and from the video track. And, and I finally was able to get my video from my Logitech camera and the Griffin US- USB iMic to work together. And I got that working yesterday or two days ago. But here's the deal. I knew that I wanted to take my video streaming to the next level. So I, and, and by the way, I was able to do it and I was able to do it without the choppy video at 720p. Things were working great. However, I knew that I wanted to take things to the next level. And one of the things that I've always dreamed of was broadcasting an HD stream using my super wonderful, very high quality HD video camera, which I have the Canon Vixia HFG10. That's Henry Frank George. One zero HFG ten. Anyway, um, that the the Canon and by the way, it's, that's an older camera. Uh, there's like the G twenty, I think, that's still available today. 
but um, the HFG, the HFG 20, I think is available today, but the HFG 10 is discontinued. They've replaced it with newer models since I've purchased this one. But, um, you know, it's a great camera, but I always wanted to be able to bring that live video feed into my system. So I, uh, I, how am I going to do this? And of course, I've always heard about all these different devices that would allow you to do this. And I never really went around to buy one. And that, let me see if I can go. I'm going to go to BH Photo Video. If By the way, if you go to gspn.tv slash BH, that's my affiliate link for BH Photo. Anything you purchase within 24 hours of using that link, I would get a commission for it. But anyway, go to gspn.tv slash BH. And in the search box, all you do is type in um, intensity, intensity extreme. All right, so, and then it'll pull up the Black Magic Design Intensity Extreme. And uh, I had heard a lot about this and some other potential devices, but it's really the Black Magic Design Intensity Intensity Extreme HDMI um, capture of audio and video capture device. It's $284.05 as I'm looking at it on the page right now. They had free expedited shipping and I think I paid $22 to have it shipped overnight because I wanted to be able to have it for Podcast Answer Man today. And um, I also knew that I needed an HDMI to HDMI mini cable. So I just, I you know, I, I could have got one at B&H but I went over and got a really inexpensive one that was 25 foot long on... Um, on Amazon, so you could just do a search for that, but I think I paid like eight bucks for that, and I paid four dollars to have it shipped overnight because I have Amazon Prime. And then the other thing I needed that this does not come with, it doesn't come with a Thunderbolt cable, which by the way, this device is Thunderbolt only, um, so you have to have a Mac computer with a Thunderbolt connection, or I guess there might be a PC with a Thunderbolt, but I don't know if this works for PC or not. I, I know it's a Mac, uh, it, I know it works with Mac, let me just put it that way. So, and I, anyway, yeah, we'll just stop there. But it, anyway, so um, I, I pur- purchased all these devices and I had them shipped and they all came in, I think, uh, well, I well, yeah, that was yesterday. They all came in yesterday. I ordered them Tuesday, but they came in yesterday. So everything came in and I didn't have time to put it all together until today. Well, um, I, I had the hardest time trying to figure out, uh, you know, what am I gonna do? How do I get this video from my camera into this, so I hook it all up, and the first problem I ran into is I put in the CD, and they actually deliver you a, a DVD or a CD install disc with this, until instead of like just telling you to go and download the drivers. But um, anyway, they have all of this different software, and much of it is software that is not even pertaining to the device that I have, and it doesn't. There's no clear instructions that tells you, hey, you have the Intensity Extreme you want to install this particular software. And so I was kind of at a loss this morning trying to figure out what I need to install. And it turns out that the one you need to install is actually labeled the desktop video app. It's just called, that's what it's called, desktop video app. And um, well, I went ahead and installed it from the disk and one of the things another website told me is like, make sure no matter what you do, get the latest version of the software. And I'm like, okay. So I went to go see if there's something newer and I went to the blackmagicdesign.com website and went to their support page and sure enough, they did have a newer version. It was like 10, well, they actually have a 10.2.3 or something like that 
uh, which is a bait in beta, but I got the one that's the 10 point something point two, which is not beta. And so I downloaded that and I installed it. And each time you install the desktop video uh, software, I had to restart the computer. Well, I went to go restart the computer and I still had the intensity and stream uh, Thunderbolt plugged in. I had all the, the USB uh, Griffin iMic plugged in. And for whatever reason, my computer would not restart. It, it came up with the, you know, the gray screen with the Apple icon and the little spinny bar thing. And as a result of that, it, it was it would just hang there and it hung there, I let it go for like 10, 15 minutes. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just turn it off and try it again, try to turn it on again. And it still didn't work. And I did a search on Google and I said, you know, um, rebooting stuck or something like a gray screen or Apple, Apple logo and spinning icon. And I just did a search for that. And of course I found uh, an Apple support page that said, here are all of the things you can try to do. And the first thing it tells you to do is unplug any device, third party devices, such as, you know, from the ports, if you have Thunderbolt thing, mini display, anything, unplug all of that and then turn your computer on. Save. And that fixed it. So I think it was probably just the fact that was doing some things and, and having the intensity extreme plugged in while doing that restart was causing the problem. But anyway, I un, I unplugged it, computer booted fine, the software's installed. Then I'm like, what do I do now? And the next thing that I ran into is that, you know, I, I couldn't get any video from my camera into my computer. I'm gonna take a drink here, one second. I couldn't get any video from my camera into my computer. So I go up to my son's room and I borrow one of his, uh, I borrowed his computer monitor that has an HDMI input. And I basically went from the HDMI mini out of my camera and I took it out of the, you know, intensity extreme and I plugged the HDMI end into this, you know, other monitor. And sure enough, it works perfectly. And and the, the video's there. Now the next thing that kind of caught me was that it's actually the Canon Vixia is is broadcasting everything that's on the screen on the little screen included in the camera onto my onto the monitor but it's also broadcasting all of the display stuff like all the icons and you know all the i mean and there's just tons of stuff on the screen i'm like wait a second i, w- I wanted i want a video i want hdmi live preview out without all that stuff and I couldn't find the menu and stuff like that. And of course, I didn't have an SD card in there. And it turned out that the problem was is that I needed to have an SD card in the camera to be able to access the memory of the camera or the menu system of the camera. So I went and put an SD card in there and that gave me access to the menu. And I was able to go into the configuration tool and I was able to go down to the HDMI output and I was able to tell it to not mirror the the on-screen or to turn off all the on-screen stuff. There's a setting in there somewhere. Anyway, so finally I have this very clear, clean, I mean absolutely gorgeous, beautiful uh, preview of what's coming out of my camera because my camera's amazing. Uh, the HF... Uh, G10 has, a, I, I don't even know what it means, but it's the 3C mod sensor chip or whatever. It's got this massive video sensor in it that that just makes it perfect in low light situations and everything. It's it's an amazing camera. 
and it looks great. And so everything's going fine straight from the camera into the monitor. So I unplug it from the monitor, I plug it back into the Intensity Extreme, and then the Intensity Extreme has an HDMI in, and it also has an HDMI out so that um, you it passes through. And um, Michael's in the chat room asking, which one do I have? Or oh, he's asking Jason. Anyway, the one I have is not the Intensity Pro. I have the HD. I have the Black Magic Design Intensity Extreme Thunderbolt. That's what I. That's the device that I have. But anyway, so it has a pass through, so the video should come into it and then go right out and into your monitor. And so, the, but what happened was, if I go through that, it wasn't sending anything out, and I'm like, oh. No wonder it's not sending anything out. <laughs> the Thunderbolt cable's unplugged. And see, the, the Thunderbolt, the, the intensity extreme, is actually operated by the power of the, um, of the Thunderbolt device. There's no extra AC adapter, which is pretty cool. But <laughs> I forgot to plug the thing in. I plug it back in, and sure, the power's on, and I'm waiting instantly. That means this video is going to come from the camera. It's going to go into the intensity extreme that's now turned on uh, and it's going to send it right back out the other HDMI cable into the monitor. It's going to be great, right? Nothing. Ah, and and the thing is, is I'm sitting here and I'm watching this video from Ustream. And by the way, the video at Ustream would have saved me so much time and trouble if I just would have watched it from the very first time and watched it all the way through. Finally, Instead, what do I do? I'm one of those guys. I, I, I'm following it, and then I get to a place where I'm like, okay, I can take it from here. And if I just would have watched the whole thing, I would have I would have got to the place where it says, if you don't see anything coming in, here's the setting you need to change. And sure enough, um, and, and by the way, if you, if you ever get this set up and you need some help walking through how do you set this thing up, go to gspn.tv slash blackmagicvideo, all one word, it's gspn.tv slash black magic video. And this is a, a Ustream video from the Ustream folks showing you how to set this thing up. And sure enough, I had to actually go into some one of the uh, sources options, uh, sources menu, and then show source options. And I had to go in and change the resolution to match the same resolution that my camera is putting out. And as soon as I did that, it instantly started working inside of... Um, uh, Ustream producer, and at the very same time, it also started to send the signal right out to my monitor. Thus, everything's working fine. I will tell you, I tried to do all of this stuff right before Family from the Heart today, and I was so frustrated. I was just, oh, it was hitting my, it felt like hitting my head against the wall. And uh, let's just put it this way Family from the Heart is sitting on my desktop right now. Epi- it's episode number. 304 of Family from the Heart. And it's probably, I'd say it's one of the worst episodes of Family from the Heart I think we've ever recorded. If not, it, it it's certainly in the top two or three. And it may be the worst episode of Family from the Heart we've ever recorded. I was just not there um, mentally. I, I We should have just called it off and, and I should have been able to play. Anyway, finally, after that, you know, it's just sitting there. I'm trying, I'm begging Stephanie to allow us to re-record Family from the Heart this week. I know it's about authenticity and transparency, but it, it just was not a good episode. 
But, you know, we'll see. I, I've asked Stephanie. She hasn't given me an answer yet if if she's willing to re-record or what we should do. But um, there's, there's a chance that I'll put the original out there if we don't. And if not, I hopefully we can re-record. But it, it, it was really affecting my mood, all of this technical jar- stuff not working. And, you know, just a, a lot of other just stresses. But finally, everything's working. And right now, I am broadcasting live with the setup that just looks gorgeous and you know i you know i could i you know it took a lot to figure out how to get all this stuff to work but now i'm starting to understand well i I know how this hard work works i know all of this stuff i i'm set i could duplicate this for myself now could i create a tutorial that's going to make it super easy for you to follow step by step not yet not yet because uh you know the this but number one should i you know should i be showing you how to do a live stream and of course i should right but but the thing is is that um you know i i've been live streaming since 2006 but it's still not something that i recommend that most people get into but there are some of you who will get into i'll talk a little bit more about my thoughts on live streaming and video in general here in just a moment but just to say this, I'm finally up and running. That's what it takes sometimes to to really get things going. Um, and and it's, it's really cool because one of the things that I have the ability to do now, uh, right now it actually has my, the Ustream Pro, which by the way, the Ustream Pro, um, or no, I don't have Ustream Pro. What do I have? I have Ustream Producer. It's the middle one. It's a hundred, there's the free version, there's a $199 version, and there's like the, you know, $499 version. I have the $200 version of Ustream producer uh, software. I have the $300 intensity extreme, the cables and and all that other stuff. I have the, you know, $1,500. It was actually a $2,000 camera, I think, when I first bought it, uh, you know, that's over there. And, and, you know, all of this stuff. And and I have the lighting in the studio just right. And it, it looks amazing. It really does take things to a whole new level and I also have the ability now uh, within Ustream and I I have the ability to uh, switch between my matter of fact I I can do this for the folks who are and I I think I can do this without breaking anything I can actually switch uh, to uh, let's see here that's my Logitech so I can switch to my Logitech which people get to see my gut that I'm working on working off uh, so I can switch over to the Logitech, or that's, yeah, the Logitech USB camera. And live, I can switch over to my uh, FaceTime camera, which is in my laptop. And um, f- from what I understand, I should be able to put a USB hub on here because I only have two USB ports. Uh, and right now, one of them is the US, the Logitech um, webcam. It's the C910 that I have, but I would recommend the C920 since the C910 isn't made anymore. And uh, and so I have the iMic and one Logitech camera. I think that I can unplug the Logitech camera, put a uh, USB hub on there, and I should be able to do multiple USB Logitech cameras. And that's what I plan on using for like secondary shots. And I can do um, you know transparent lower thirds. Right now, I'm actually putting. I've got my my podcast answer man logo up at the top left hand corner of my video if i want to i can i can remove that logo i can put it back on i can 
I can switch all kinds of things. And by the way, if you guys want to see this, and here it goes, uh, I'll talk about this again. If you want to see this, go to podcastanswerman.com slash law, no, podcastanswerman.com slash 365. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash 365. And if you do that, that's the show notes for this episode. And provided you stream producer is recording this video well um and and everything i should i will upload this to you my youtube channel and the video recording of the of me broadcasting this live will be there and uh i don't know where we're at in that recording as far as the time is concerned maybe it is at 35 17 so is where we're at now so go to back to like 33 go to 32 minutes into the video and you should be able to see all the camera switching that I just did and some of the other things that I just did. And uh, Magnus says he thinks the logo should be smaller. You know, that's fine. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll work around and play with all of that stuff. It, you know, obviously, I just got this thing set up with, right before we I, I went live. But, um, you know, I'll work out all, all the details on this. But this is some of the things that I'm doing to kind of take it to the next level for those who are watching live and yes, I am continuing to get a lot of great feedback from the YouTube audience. And uh, by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, hello to you on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, please do like the video and uh, leave me a comment if you like the content here. Uh, what that does is it says it says to me that, hey, Cliff, this was worth the investment uh, for you to do it here and produce this great video on, you know, the, the better, you know, getting, taking the video content to the next level. And, uh, and, and it, it reminds me to not ignore those who actually do prefer the video. And I know that there are a few of you who really do enjoy the video. So, um, yeah, that, yeah. So that's where it's at. Ah, taking my video streaming to the next level. Those are some of the things that I had to do. Well, not to the, I could, I didn't have to get the intensity extreme and I didn't have to hook up my Canon Vixia, but those are the things I desired to do. And now that I have all of this, I'm really looking forward to not, not only getting better at myself, creating a, I'm going to create a lot more transparent overlays and, and stuff like that. And I'm going to play around eventually with multiple camera shoots uh, multiple cameras and all of these different things. And when I do get it all figured out, I'm going to have my son come down and I'm going to teach him and train him on how to do the camera switching and, and things like that. And, you know, before too long, my son will be down here and he, he's going to be getting paid to do a lot of stuff for us. And by the way, I plan on doing, you know, having something in the future that is a little bit made, more made for video content. So that's going to lead me into my um, my thoughts here. By the way, I'm going to look at Jason's comment in the chat room and I'll read this and I think it's a perfect transition into my thoughts on video, both live streaming and video content in general. This is what Jason is writing. This is These are not my words, but uh, here's what Jason writes. He says, I like video live. Don't really watch video after the fact. One thing I like about live video is that it's live. Recorded video is something I find myself being I find myself being less I find myself being less attentive. Jason, valid point, very valid point. And so that's why 
I want to first share my thoughts on live streaming for podcasters. First and foremost, if you have not been podcasting for a minimum of six months, I would recommend highly that you do not live stream your podcast, audio or video. For the first six months, I would highly encourage you to only focus on your audio audience that are listening to the pre-recorded content that you are creating in your studio without the distractions that come with the technology related to the live stream. And let me tell you something. I don't think that Family from the Heart, the, the episode that got recorded this morning, will eventually go, will go out. But if it does, the title of the episode will be You Can Skip This One. So if you go to familyfromtheheart.com and episode number 304 <clears throat> is titled You Can Skip This One, listen to that episode. And that episode is a perfect example of why you should not record uh, or should not live stream while you're recording a podcast because it can be devastatingly, devastatingly distracting and ruin your content if things go wrong. And by the way, what you would hear in that episode, if it makes it online, uh, what you would hear is somebody who has experience of doing thousands of live streams. All right? So if even after thousands of live streams, it still bugged me that much. And and, and it doesn't matter. You're always going to bring in a lot of technical potential glitches and issues. And so... Um, yeah, that for, yeah, so that's exactly what I would say is, is stay away from it for six months and focus just on creating a great show, great content. And also the other problem with video live streaming right out of the gate is, um, you know, the, the, the audience that you're speaking to now, right now in my chat room, I see there are 39 people on this page and they're chatting right there. Um, and so for example, it says, uh, Jason says, we only live stream live sporting events, not our actual podcast. John says, I agree with Jason. Live video takes away from the control you have uh, to ignore uh, the control you have to ignore the content. Um, anyway, I respect Jason. This is Timothy. I respect Jason's opinion. For me, I am less distracted and enjoy Cliff on the big screen when I have time to watch in the evening. Jason says, I listened slash watch Cliff live because I work from home and can do it while my daughter eats lunch and gets ready for a nap. Jason says, when I miss it live, I just wait for the podcast audio and I listen while I'm cutting the grass or on a drive. Michael says, same here, Jason. And these people are chatting back and forth. That's about four, about 40 people now in the chat room. And, um, you know, and it's awesome to have them here. And after doing more than 3,200 podcast episodes, I'm pretty good at making sure that Podcast Answer Man is not focused on the 40 people who are in the chat room to such a degree that you who are listening to my voice in the car or out mowing the lawn or walking the dog or just out for a walk, getting your 10,000 steps in today for your Fitbit challenge or whatever the case may be, whatever you're doing, my, I, I'm pretty good at being able to sometimes incorporate the chat room without making you feel 
like a second-class citizen. And that's something I'm going to talk about in video in general, and it is something called the second-class citizen syndrome. It is the second-class citizen syndrome. I've, I, then, by the way, I, I came up with that terminology myself, um, but, but you, can, you can use it when you're talking to people about it as well. But, but what I mean by that is, and this is what happened, back in the day, back in, I know back in 2006, a lot of us were really heavily using live, sh- live broadcasting via audio on this service called TalkShoe. And by the way, TalkShoe.com still exists today. You can go there, TalkShoe.com. It's free. You can create a talk cast, get your talk cast ID, and you can schedule a live show and invite people to come, and you all can be talking via audio, and you could actually be recording your show there. Um, you can record your audio locally and broadcast it there if you have connection to their you um, audio via the a phone bridge or something like that. Anyway, um, any, so talk show was a show where a lot of people went and created content. And what I found is a lot, whenever there were brand new, brand new content creators, brand new podcasters who started out live streaming from the beginning, this is what I found. Um, and, and I'm going to mimic it. All right. I'm going to pretend that that's what's going on here. Hey everybody, welcome to my podcast here where we're talking about, uh, all things podcasting, and oh, you know what? Looks like somebody just came into the chat room. Hello, uh, guest five four three two. Glad to have your you here. Uh, oh, uh, you know what? Uh, hold on, I see that some guest five one three two would like to ask a question. Let me go ahead and unmute them. And uh, yeah, is this thing live? What do you talk about here? Uh, well, this is a podcast about podcasting. Oh. All right, you know, uh, so you're in your living room, or do you? Are you in a radio station? <laughs> and, and it was—it's just the craziest thing. And, and what happened was, so much focus and so much attention went to the people who were calling in live. So much attention went into the con- to to the discussion of the people who were there. That anybody who wanted to listen to the content that's been pre-recorded, it's like. It's all about the live audience and not necessarily something that was created. Basically, you don't feel as as a you don't feel as much a part of the community that was uh, uh, in this per, in this content producers community as the people who are there live. The live people get preference. Now, here's the deal: when it, it's it's a real struggle for somebody like me. I'm a I am a recovering people pleaser, and um. I will tell you, it's hard for me to have 38 people, 40 people bouncing up and down here in the chat room and having this conversation. And the really, the thing is, is I ignore about 95%, maybe sometimes 98% and sometimes 100% of the conversation that's actually happening while I'm recording Podcast Answer Man. Now, I will tell you that I go through and, and or I go before the episode, I try to have some conversation with them and interact with them live. After the show is over, I sometimes will take the time and go through and scroll up and try to read all of that conversation after the fact and have uh, some wonderful one-on-one time with the people who were there. But for the podcast Answer Man show, I try to not let this podcast get too focused on the live audience and only sometimes do i sometimes do i occasionally 
bring out a comment, especially when the comment is something that's very helpful. Like back when I was talking about the multiple ways that you could get podcast reviews for your podcast and and we had one listener who was telling us, oh, did you know you could do this RSS feed? And that was that was wonderful and, and stuff like that. But it takes a little bit of time for you to get to that place where the content is really focused on the people who, you know, where, where your conversation is between you as the host speaking to the person who's listening to the downloaded episode later. So there's so there's the t- possible technical difficulties and and there's also the fact that your show can be too much focused on the live audience and sometimes too much directed by the live audience and the distraction of both the technology and the potential distraction of the co- I will tell you there are times in podcast answer man where I say something that I feel so strongly passionately about that is a let's just say a controversial topic in the space and I will share what I feel and sometimes I'll glance at the chat room and I see that somebody's in there spouting off how they disagree with me and how vehemently they disagree with me. And and I can tell you right now that even after years of podcasting, that can be distracting and it really can derail your podcasting content that you're creating for your audience. So yeah, you know, for, you know for right now at this very moment, 42 people on the page, but I can tell you right now, thousands and thousands of people who are listening to this after the fact. So so just keep that in mind. So what do I think about live stream? I love live streams. I do. You know, I, I will tell you this. The 42 people or 40 some odd people that are in this page right now watching on Thursday. Uh, this is Thursday, July 10th at 2.46 p.m. Eastern time at podcastanswerman.com slash live. These people are, you know, the they actually have a deeper connection in with me as a host. They have a deeper connection with each other as they're actually meeting each other. These are people who all of a sudden, you know, I wonder if, you know, Magnus and Jason and Michael and Matt and all these other people in here, they're having conversations with each other. They're all listeners of Podcast Answer Man. They all are connected to me on social media. And they're all passionate, obviously, about podcasting and getting your message, taking your message, your business, and your life to the next level. And that's why they tune into my content. And now, all of a sudden, they're meeting each other, sometimes for the very first time, in a chat room and developing relationships that, all of a sudden, after the show is over, every Thursday, there are people within the chat room who are adding other people to their social networks and developing relationships. And sometimes those relationships turn into some pretty powerful things. I've seen people in my community who had actually gotten married as a result of meeting each other through live streaming. So yeah, in a chat room of one of my live streams. And and then they came to a meetup that I held face to face. And before I know it, they're married. It was pretty wild. But anyway... So I I do love live streaming. I just I I wish anybody and everyone would wait a minimum of six months. Establish the fact that your podcast is created for the people who will download it later or stream it later. Establish that the comment the conversation between you and your audience is between you and your audience that will listen later. Establish that you determine what is going to be talked about and what's not going to be talked about by doing pre-show preparation and not allowing the live audience to dictate or distract you from what you have prepared. These are the things that I think about live streaming. So 
Now, what do I think about the technology of live streaming? Boy, there, there's too much to be said there, and and I'm not going to go into all of the details. I, I already shared with you just my own little situation that I've done over the last seven days, and it's all different from things that I've done over the last couple of years, and it's always kind of in flux and changing. So, But I, I do love live streaming, and if you've been podcasting for more than six months and you're extremely competent, competent and confident with the technology related to doing your 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 podcast without the live audience and you feel like, you know what, if I if I add the live show component and it all falls apart, I'll still be able to just ignore that and move on with my show as planned so that the so it does not impact the regular audience, then at that point, yeah, do a live stream. It's it's great for building community. It's a great for taking relationships to even a much deeper level with those who are able to join live. And by the way, that's the thing. Not everybody's able to join live. And you don't want people to feel like second-class citizens. And that's where, my friends, we're going to talk about more of my thoughts on video content in general. Now, here's the thing. I One of the things that I feel about video is that I believe that if you're going to create video... Most of the time, I believe that that video should be created for the purpose of, for, it should be content created for that video. Now, is what I'm doing right now on YouTube by recording the live stream, obviously the live stream video, even before I was recording it and uploading it, I was, I've been live streaming since 2006. So, you know, I do believe that the content that I'm creating when I'm live streaming, even if it's over my shoulder, it, it, this is created for video. It is content. It is video content made for video content. It's not a way for me to rebroadcast my podcast, Answer Man Show. Although I am starting to do that, I'll get into that a little bit more probably. But um, yeah. So what happens here is that, um, gosh, I, I've got ten minutes left. How can I wrap this up real fast? and get to those questions that I told you I was going to get to. Let's do this. How about I say this? Video thoughts are, number one, I believe that you should create video content, and the content that I'm creating now is a behind-the-scenes look into what it's like for me to produce a show. And so it does give you that behind-the-scene glimpse. That's what the live show, that's what the live video has all been about and stuff like that. And so for the people who are really geeky trying to see, man, what? how does he do all of that? That... So just seeing it happen is compelling enough video that makes it sense for it to actually be video content. Um, now, and, and you know, the thing is, is Leo Laporte um, has been doing video content for years. And the other thing that I will tell you about video is it requires screen time. Now, you can argue that, no, you can subscribe to the video and just listen to the audio. Um, or you could actually record video and just strip the audio or record the audio separately in high quality and put it out as an audio podcast and those who want the video can do the video podcast. Michael Hyatt is doing this right now. Leo Laporte does this. Well, let me explain to you. Video, if you're going to have video and you're going to watch video, it does require screen time, which means I'm not going to be able to do it while I'm driving or some of you, I know you do that, but you shouldn't. Um, I know I shouldn't should on you, but that's one thing. Come on, seriously. But anyway, it's not something I'm going to do when I'm out walking in the sun. Uh, it's it you know it's just not convenient to watch video in those things. And yes, I could try to watch the or listen to the audio. I used to listen to five different podcasts from Leo Laporte, 
and I listened to every episode and never missed any of them. However, when he went to video, when he moved into the brick house and spent all this money to upgrade all this video stuff, I found myself actually getting more and more frustrated um, every single week with the content. And the reason why is because I was still subscribed to the audio, listening to it while I was driving, listening to it while I was walking. Whatever the case was, I was listening to it, listening to it, listening to it. And what happens is he got into... He, he an issue where he created the second class citizen syndrome. And this is where you start saying things like, for those of you who are only listening to the audio, you really should check out the video because what I'm showing on the screen right now is so extremely vital. And I kind of did that when I was doing the switching here today. I kind of fell into it today saying, hey, just go to podcastanswerman.com forward 32 minutes in and kind of watch and you can see what I'm talking about. It's that kind of thing. Although hopefully you don't feel like that because I am de- demonstrating it here, but but it happens so much and so so much in, pod- in, in this week in tech and Leo Laporte that um, you know they have an over the head camera when they're showing off applications and and all of these other things. And so more and more of their content today is actually content created for video, and they just happen to have the audio available. Whereas right now, and this is what Michael Hyatt is doing. I will mention Michael in his new format because he his 101st episode is now relaunched, This Is Your Life, as season one, episode one. I love what he's doing with seasons. We'll talk about that maybe in the future. But... Um, Anyway, his season one, episode one, his new relaunch of his show, It's a it, he has both the audio version and the video version. And it's recording recorded in a professional studio. They're capturing professional audio. The audio sounds amazing. amazing. And what, what, what Leo started out with is what Michael is doing right now. Audio that is, or content that is created for audio consumption, but where video is also available. High quality video, multi-camera shoot video, video that's worth looking at. But what Leo started out with and what Michael is now starting with is content created for the audio audience, but which also has video available if you just want to take a look at it. That's what I have right now with Podcast Answer Man. This is Podcast Answer Man is content created for audio, but it also has the the video available if you want to look at it. That's exactly what I have. Now, Leo no longer has content created for audio, but also has the video available. No, Leo today, very clearly, in every single one of his podcasts, even his radio show, I think, maybe that one's going a little too far, but certainly This Week in Tech, this week in Google, iPad Today, um, the, uh, this uh, Mac Break Weekly, all of those different shows, that is now, all of them are video content created for the video audience so that we can show you all of these things, which by the way is great, I love that. Um, I, I love seeing the screen captures of, the, of, of these apps. I love seeing them demonstrate things. I love seeing this stuff. I love seeing the people, I do. But but what this this is content created for video where they also happen to make the audio only version available. And I will tell you, Mike or with Leo Laporte, his audio only version is absolutely 
It's it's eighty percent of it is worthwhile. The other twenty percent, if you don't have the video, you are just missing out. You are a second class citizen of of the content uh, of the community that that consumes that content. You are not seeing. You are not getting the full benefit of what's being offered because it is video content created for audio. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, vi- content created for video with just audio as an option for you to listen only if you want. So now here's the thing. I believe that I listened, by, or actually I watched, I watched the video of Michael Hyatt's first episode with with his new co-host, Michelle Cachette. And Michelle, I, I love her too. And I think, the, I, I think they have done something amazing with their show. I am so eager to listen to each of their episodes. And right now, my plan is to actually stay subscribed to the audio-only version because as, and by the way, season one, episode one of the new revised version of This Is Your Life was perfect content created for audio where you do, there was not one thing that was required for you to actually see. Now, I think that um, they actually may have mentioned that there was video and stuff like that, but but I I believe that I could have listened to the audio version of that file and not felt like I missed anything. The real danger, however, is I think there is a danger that that show could turn into not not that it will, but it could within the first fifteen episodes somewhere steer towards content created for video where the audio audience is second in in priority. I don't know that that will happen. And and Michael, I you know I I, I love you, and I love your show, and um, you know I and, and there's nothing wrong with creating video content for video content or content for video, um, but just for not just for Michael but for myself, I'm reminding myself of this, and 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 I'm reminding everyone who's listening that when you create content for video, it is less accessible to the overall audience that would consume your audio uh, if it was audio only. So for example, I used to be subscribed to five different podcasts from Leo Laporte. I only have so much screen time available. And by the way, a lot of my screen time, I prefer really professional, uh, highly entertaining movies or TV shows or something like that. I don't get a ton of screen time. And when I do, I wanna be sit back and be entertained or I wanna learn something that, you know, and stuff like that. But you know, this week in text, I like it. Mac Break Weekly, I like it. I don't ever want to miss those shows. Um, but what I did is I subscribed to the video of those shows. I I do try, I actually have the ability to play just the audio of the video with my iPhone. By the way, I use the Podcasts app from Apple, and with that, um, I'm able to click play on the video, and then you can hit the home button. And yes, the video will stop. Uh, and the audio will stop, unfortunately. But then you just swipe up and hit the play button again, and it will actually pick up the audio only without the video playing. And you can listen to it while you're swiping and reading stories from an RSS feed and stuff like that. But I always have to stay subscribed to the video because several times every episode of Mac Break Weekly and This Week in Tech, I have to click on the podcast app and bring the video back up and back it up 15 or 30 seconds so that I can actually see what they're showing to get the full benefit of their content. I'm not saying that I hate that. I'm not saying I'm against that, but I, what I will tell you is that I unsubscribed from three podcasts that from the Twit Network because I can't consume that much video. And, and so it was easier for me to unsubscribe than to get behind 
And that's what I did. And I picked up some other shows in its place, some other audio-only podcasts. So that's what I wanted to share. That's my thoughts on live streaming. That's my thoughts on video in general. And this is a whole episode devoted to video. And I told you at the beginning of the show that I was going to talk to Stephanie about how to grow my audience. You know what? It's an hour. It's an hour. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put those things off till next week. That's what I'm going to do. I hate that. Ah, yes, I do. I hate that. But I'm going to. No, you know what? Here's the deal. Let, let's get through them real quick. I, I, I will. I promise you. I am going to run through in 15 minutes. Let's do this. Stephanie, let's go for it now. Hey, Cliff. It's Stephanie O'Brien with MovedByPurpose.net. I started my podcast in February 2014 and I absolutely love it. It is so much fun that I realized that writing is a drag compared to my podcast. Um, There are a lot of recommendations out there to grow your list and your audience through guest posting. But since I'm not the greatest writer and it's not that big of a passion of mine, I have avoided this strategy. Now, I have interviewed some pretty established entrepreneurs on my podcast, such as John Lee Dumas, Danny Innie, and Dan Miller, to name a few. But I have noticed that the traffic increases with this. Social proof and credibility seems to be more easily established. Plus, I start a relationship with the leaders in this industry. All really great things that I love to celebrate. But my question is, and this is the one thing that that isn't growing from this strategy, is my list. My list is painfully growing at painstakingly slow numbers. And I am wondering what I can do and how else I can use my podcast to grow my list. I plan to change my giveaway and to make my landing page a little bit stronger and more effective. But after that, I was wondering if you have specific strategies and how I can use a podcast to grow my list. Thank you so much for all that you do. All right, Stephanie, thank you so much. I am looking back to see if I can find the episode number. I think it might have been 354, but I'm looking uh, 355. Yes, go. I want you to listen to episode number, uh, let's see here, episode number 355 of Podcast Answer Man. You can find it at podcastanswerman.com slash 355. It's titled, Why You Should Not Start a Podcast. My thoughts regarding Spencer Hawes' blog post on this topic. There, everything that immediately comes to my mind comes to my mind that, that I said in episode number 355, which by the way, that's a very long episode, uh, but it really talks to you about expect your expectations of what you can get from your, as far as engagement in, in, and calls to action and stuff like that. All of my thoughts related to getting people just to respond to you in general uh, from your podcast and, and to, to do something that you ask them to do in your show. Uh, overall, my thoughts are there. Podcastanswerman.com slash 355. Now, with that being said, it's not like you're never going to be able to get somebody in your podcast to do something for you. 
Uh, you, as you build a relationship where people in your audience come to know, like, and trust you, and your influence grows the more that they come to know, like, and trust you, then the more influence you have, the more chances you are to actually have your audience respond, to actually do something that you might ask them to do for you. And and, and so that takes time. And by the way, I, I did respond to Stephanie's email. Uh, this all started out as an email question. And one of the things that I wrote back and I asked real quickly, and this is why I asked it, I said, when, how long ago did you start your podcast? And she said, she started back in February of 2014. That's this year. So she's been uh, podcasting. I'm recording this on July 10th, and she started back in February. That That is not enough time to really start seeing a lot of engagement and and response to your calls to action it's just not um reasonable to expect your list to start growing based upon upon that Uh, it's going to take you a little bit more time so so just know that first and foremost listen to everything i shared in episode 355 all of that stuff applies to you Uh, but here's what i will say i want to give you my top three things that I will give you for uh, getting people to sign up for your mailing list. Number one, create such amazing content on a consistent basis that people will strongly desire to get anything and everything that you make available to them. Seriously, wow people. You know, don't bribe them. I mean, we'll talk about bribing them. That comes apart in number two. Uh, but but without even asking, without even bribing them, without trying to give them something, just create amazing content that is so helpful that 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 is so valuable and really super serve your audience and 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 create a relationship with them and people come to the fact where they absolutely unequivocally love you and and your content is so amazing that they can't imagine not being able to consume anything and everything that you put out you know become that salty you know that that you know that 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 you create an unquenchable thirst in the audience that you serve, that they want anything and everything that you give. And you won't even have to give anything away for free. Uh, you you just say, hey, if you want to be notified of the next thing that I have available or the next thing I want to share, uh, some content that's probably easier for me to share in an email than it is in my podcast to you, uh, if you want frequent updates, related, just go over to my site over at podcastanswerman.com slash list and sign up. Which, by the way, if that's what you want, go to podcastanswerman.com slash list. Although read the warning, it says, my, my mailing list actually says, uh, sign up for this list if you want to be not- notified of the next time I have a new product or service uh, available for purchase. So so if you are expecting anything more than that, then uh, yeah, it, that's not necessarily the way I do my mailing list. But anyway, um, let's see here. So that's the number one tip. Create content that is so amazing that people desperately want more for you or from you. And and you're gonna you're gonna see that increase and, and and again it's they have to come to know like and trust you and that has to build over time. Number two, give away a f- some free content. I do not do this, and I'm not necessarily saying that you're bribing them, but you're kind of bribing them, aren't you? You're 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 incentivizing them to do something by giving them something in refer- return to, for exchange of their email address, right? So that you can you can plop an email into their inbox every now and then. Uh, so it, it's not a bad thing. This is this. Uh, lots of people. Even some of my best friends do this. Anyway, you can go to you know Michael Hyatt does this with one of his get published. 
So he's got several things that you can sign up and get free uh, if you sign up for his mailing list. Uh, Pat Flynn has several things. Ebooksthesmartway.com is one of them. Anyway, you can give away a free ebook, a report, a tutorial, um, all kinds of stuff. I'll, I'll be, you know, I, one of the things that I want to do later this year is actually get a little bit more serious about my mailing list and maybe even creating a little bit more content uh, for for the people who are subscribed to my mailing list and and stuff. So so you can give away something for free and you and, and make that something that's so compelling to your audience that they they're like, I can't imagine living without that. Uh, heck yeah, I'm going over to suchandsuch.com slash list or uh, whatever URL you give them. Make it super easy for them to type it in and get it and get it instantly. Uh, consider a free giveaway. A third thing is host a free webinar and collect emails upon registration. So basically, you there are some plugins that you can use out there. I'm, I used to have one. Actually, I still have it. It's called Webinar Bridge. I don't know if it still works. I haven't used it in a long time. But I did a free tutorial called Learn How to Podcast. And when I did that, I had hundreds of people register for my mailing or for that webinar. And I used Webinar Bridge. And what happened was Webinar Bridge was the landing page for the webinar and people would register and for the webinar and what they were doing is they're signing up for the mailing list and once they actually clicked the confirmation email in their email inbox and confirmed to be added to my list, then they were registered via GoToMeeting to the actual um, uh, webinar that I did. So you can host a, a free webinar or you know free product or free service. You know it's the whole same thing, but it's more than just a giveaway. This is this is a free live interactive experience that people can come and be a part of. But those are the top three things that I can think of to to give you to do that. Let's go on with the next one. Ryan, take it away. This is Ryan Gray. Hey, Cliff. My name is Ryan Gray. I'm the host of the Medical School HQ podcast and run the website medicalschoolhq.net. I have a question about podcast episode names and if you've ever changed an episode name to see if that would get more interest and more downloads for a particular episode or if that's just a big no-no thank you for everything you do i look forward to your answer uh ryan i've never done it to like after the fact uh there is no it, it, there's no reason for you not to do it uh and i will tell you that your episode name especially the first several words in your episode title are extremely important because what people search for in iTunes when they're searching for a phrase like internet marketing or whatever the case may be, uh, whatever they type in the search box, it's first going to look at the title of the show and the next thing it's going to look at is the title of the episode. And your show has a good chance of pulling up if the right keyword matches there. So Go ahead and play around with it. And and again, it's no problem at all for you to change it. It's not a no-no or anything of that nature. So feel free to play play around with those episode titles and stuff like that. But yeah, there you go. Ryan Parker is next. Hey, Cliff. This is Ryan Parker from RyanKParker.com. And I podcast all about killer food. Later this month, I'm heading off to a trade show for the very first time. And I'm interested to find out what you would take along for your recording equipment. I'd like to travel light and I'm getting a new Zoom H4n, so it's going to be my first real practice with it. But would you take along a microphone to go with it or just, hey, take the recorder and run? Let me know what you think. Take care. All right, Ryan, I go to a lot of conferences and I take my digital audio recorder with me, I think 
to practically every single one of them. And I do a lot of interviews when I'm out. And sometimes I record those uh, at you know coffee shops or right in the conference hall or wherever I may be. But and, and by the way, I used to take a an Electra Voice RE50B microphone. It is an industry standard interview microphone. Again, that's the Electra Voice RE50B. Uh, and now I have the Roland R05. I would use the cable that has an XLR female that plugs into the bottom of the mic. And the other end of that would have a 1 8 inch or 3.5 millimeter um, stereo mini plug. And I would plug that into the mic port on my Roland recorder and it would actually have this really great interview sound. I went back and forth between me and the other person and I did that a couple times. I even had a mic flag on there. It looks a little bit professional. So if you want to go with that, you can. Um, but... I will tell you that um, even that sometimes was just a little bit more than I wanted to carry around for the day. I could stick my Roland recorder in my pocket and I'm at the place now where I never take the 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 Electro Voice RE50B microphone to a conference with me. I simply take my recorder and that's it. And it, it the onboard microphones, you have a Zoom H4N, I think you said, and and it's got amazing microphones on it. And you know what? Sure, it's going to pick up all the ambient sound and, and stuff like that. And I recommend that you don't go into a quiet room where it's going to record all the echo, but actually stay in the, in the hall where you can hear people in the background and stuff like that. Makes people feel like they're standing there right with you guys at the conference and can, can add a little bit of an, a, a, an extra feel and vibe to the, to the interview. So anyway, Ryan, if you ask me, I go to conferences all the time and I don't take anything more than my Roland recorder or digital audio recorder. Any kind that you want to take is perfectly fine. Uh, just stay away from voice recorders. There's little t- cheap ones that you get at Staples. Uh, make sure you get a something like the Roland R05 uh, or a Zoom H4n. I think they have a new Zoom H6. They have a bunch of other devices out there, but I, my own preferred one is a Roland R05 because I have, actually, I have two of the Zoom H4ns here in my studio. Um, and they're in boxes and I used one for a little while and I used to take it out for my I took it out a couple times for my walk casts and that thing's heavy and bulky and and stuff like that and it doesn't fit in my pocket like my Roland RO5 so I prefer my my Roland RO5 but certainly Ryan you already had the Zoom HR uh, Zoom H4n it's going to be perfectly fine for you and I just take that personally uh, but oh by the way if you decide to get the Roland RO or if you decide to get the electric voice RE50B, know that you can just get a standard XLR mic because, well, it has XLR inputs. So there you go. That's Ryan. And then Michael's got the last question. Let's get this one through here. One more. Hey, Cliff. This is a question for the podcast answer, man. This is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. I have a podcast teaching Christian apologetics to youth. And my question is concerning the audio quality. Uh, right now, I'm recording my podcast on a BlackBerry with some headphones, and as you can tell, it doesn't sound very good. Now, I have just reached my 100th episode, and it's time for me to stop doing these ghetto podcasts and get some better equipment. I'm sure you've covered this in older podcasts, but I'm looking for something that I can use to record on the go. I'm a busy guy. I have a full-time job and I don't have a whole lot of money, so I'm looking for something that I can record um, while staying mobile. A lot of times I record my podcast while I'm on lunch break out in my work truck, and I need something mobile 
low cost, but still sounds good. What do you think, Cliff? I respect you, and I know you got some good answers on this, so let's have it. Thanks, buddy. All right, Michael, just so you know, uh, congratulations. I'm very excited to hear that you've produced already 100 episodes. Wonderful job, my friend. And the fact that you've done them all on a BlackBerry, uh, and if they sound like what you just sent in, you know, the audio quality is about a 6 out of 10, uh, but it's still pretty darn good so it, it's not bad i you, that that is perfectly acceptable but yes you could take your audio to the next level and if you are on a very tight budget and that's what i heard you say then um mobile setup is just take your laptop with you uh, i'm sure you can have enough battery power in your in your truck to to record a 30 minute or 60 minute show um, and i would just just to keep things safe uh and and cheap I would just do a um, Audio-Technica ATR2100 microphone, plug it right in via USB into your laptop, and that's gonna give you a really good audio quality sound. You'll jump from a six to an eight or nine immediately just by doing that. Record into software like Audacity, or uh, if you're going for cheap, then go for Audacity, it's free. And uh, that's really gonna take your, your audio to the next level, but congratulations and Hopefully that helps you out. Hey, I normally would play music, but man, I'm already an hour and 16 minutes into this episode. Real quickly, I just want to say um, I, I have my podcasting A to Z course coming up here. Monday, September 1st is its launch. If you want to sign up, we've got people signing up already. Uh, if you want to get into that course, please get in soon because uh, I have a feeling it's going to sell out because I'm taking two months off, July and August with no A to Z uh, and the last time I did that, there was it was a sold out crowd. So anyway, podcasting A to Z, if you want to take your podcasting to the next level or if you want to get your podcast started, head over to podcastingatoz.com. God bless. I'll be back again next week with a hopefully much shorter show. Podcast. That's a man.